This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This is Recode Media, Peter Kafka. That's me, and I'm recording this from sunny Orange County, California. It is beautiful out here. It is also the site of Vox Media's annual Code Conference, and that's where I interviewed Robert Kinsel, the CEO of Warner Music Group, as we talk about quite a bit in this live onstage conversation. Kinsel was previously one of the top executives at YouTube. He was at Netflix before that. So this is a very Recode Media interview, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Now here's me and Robert Kinsel. For about a decade, more than a decade, Robert Kinsel was one of the most important people at YouTube. He did all their content deals, which meant he was sitting across the table from the likes of Warner Music Group. Sometimes things got tense. As of January, Robert Kinsel runs Warner Music Group. So let's talk about that shift. Let's talk about the way the music business is shifting. Let's talk about the AI of it all. Please welcome Warner Music Group CEO, Robert Kinsel. Thank you. I originally had some joke about how we both had Czech last names, but it was kind of a loser joke. Um, let's start with the, the, the obvious stuff. You were, you were on one side of the table, now you're on the other side of the table. What is it like to have to go to a big tech platform and say, this is what we'd like? I would say for, for the last 20 years of my life between Netflix and YouTube, uh, I had my right foot in Silicon Valley and left foot in Hollywood. And now, they're just switched, but it's still the same guy, same places. But and you had a lot more leverage when you were the, the tech guy, right? No, I'm not sure. It's who, uh, need, who needed, <laughs> well, here, this is an easy question for you, but who needs, does YouTube need Warner Music or does Warner need YouTube? So, so we actually, it, it's a great question because everybody has been asking that question since I've been in the business. So it's not a good question. And, uh, <laughs> but no one has ever answered it. They okay. never asked me that question, but today you'll get the answer. Um, which is, when we were at YouTube, we always thought about it, right? Like how much do we need these companies and what we should do? And there was a point, probably it's less than 10 years ago, when we decided we just want to be partners with this industry. We're tied at the hip forever and we should lean into them. And that's what led to hiring of Lior Cohen to run music at YouTube and really uh, lean into it and make sure we get close to artists and labels and their priorities and all of it. And it just tremendous collaboration and growth happened out, out of that. So, so I think this sort of zero sum uh, relationship that used to be 
and that people would maybe want us to have because it's it's more interesting to write about it. It really doesn't exist. Um, but it did. I mean, I think it this did. was before it you got yeah. there. I mean, Warner went off yeah, YouTube. Yeah. They were having yeah, licensing fights. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. It used to be, but uh, not not in a very long time. And and we built together, and we built a large subscription service on top of a free platform, and uh, it's been born out of that partnership. So you understood what the Warner Musics of the world wanted from YouTube. You understood their business. Still, now that you're there, what didn't you understand about running a music label that you're figuring out now? What didn't I understand? Um, you know, how, how hard it is. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot of work that it takes to develop an artist career. You can see lots of one-off successes, but to have sustained success, repeatability, and long career, that's a very difficult thing to achieve. And I think that is something that we, uh, we had not understood, or I had not understood uh, previously as deeply as I do now. Music labels aren't supposed to exist anymore, right? An artist can mm -hmm. figure out how to, to, to <laughs> upload their music to YouTube and Spotify and wherever. You guys are just taking a cut, they can cut. Why, why does Warner Music or any label exist today in 2023? Um, so, I would say the closest analogy to this would be the uh, advertising agencies um, you know, who buy ads on different platforms. Today, they're the largest customers of companies like Google. In the year 2000, when AdWords came out, everybody was predicting their death because it said, hey, all the brands can just go direct to AdWords and buy ads there, so why do they need agencies? However, what happened was lots of different platforms emerged Lots of ad tech emerged, complexity increased exponentially, and brands needed help with that, and the agencies uh, provided that value. And I, I see a very close analogy to our business in that. Music is incredibly broadly distributed. Everybody on earth listens to music. We're on every platform, and the complexity is high. And the more people can upload content and the more people can be heard, the greater the noise, which means it's harder to cut through the noise and sustain a career. And then what about when you get to, so Lizzo's one of your artists, Dua Lipa's one of your artists, yep. when you get to that level of fame, power, all right, you've cut through the noise, everyone knows who they are, yep. why do they stick with you? Well, if you're, if you're an up-and-coming artist, so, and, and we have an amazing track record with spotting artists when nobody knows them, you know, Bruno Mars, Ed Sheeran, Dua, Cardi B, all of them, you know, they're kind of like from the cradle. Great, so you, uh, you find us. them, you bring them so up, and then they, and why don't you they do say, that. we're done, thanks. <laughs> then when they become established, it is also hard to remain at the top. It's a very difficult thing to do. So their goals change, and again, we're there to help with that. So it all depends on where in the life cycle the artist is, uh, that our value prop uh, evolves with them. Let's talk about AI for a bit, maybe for a while. Um, that demo that Cristobal just showed off, that's super cool, mm. uh, text to video, does amazing things. Yeah. No one in Hollywood, no one in TV is, is gonna type some prompts into a computer and have commercially usable video for some time. Yeah. How, how quickly is that scenario gonna show up for music, where someone types in some prompts and they get a real song, a song that someone might actually want to hear? Well. Music, because it's so broadly distributed and it's so well aligned with the internet because it's a short format, it lends itself to recommendations, it's on all platforms, is generally first in most transformations and most innovations. So, so I would say it probably shows first, up earlier. Yeah. yeah, so it digitizes first. And um, 
you know, whatever, whatever happened to music industry 20 years ago is starting to happen in the movies and TV shows now. You know, in the meantime, music emerged out of it um, better and stronger and more resilient. So I would imagine the same uh, will happen here, which is, you know, will likely be first. What does so that look like time-wise? How soon? Is that a year, two soon? years? Yeah, I think, yeah, I would say within the next year, there's, you'll see lots of evolution around AI. Well, there's people generating songs from scratch or, you know, just typing in, make me a song that sounds like Lizza and Dua Lipa, et cetera. And the result is something that is not just passable, but, you know, would show up on Spotify, would show up on YouTube. People would be well, happy to listen to it. Well, it can show up there even when it's not passable. Sure. <laughs> so, but, uh, so it will likely show up. But what, what you will likely see is increasing quality at a very fast pace. So what we're doing is we look at it in, in two different ways. You said you would like to see. I mean, is that a good thing for you if someone can type some prompts into a computer and get a song? It is. Look, you have to, you have to embrace technology because it's not like you can put technology in a bottle, like the genie is not going back. Um, and there's a very clear analogy here to user-generated content. Like, we have a blueprint for this. We've, you know, when YouTube uh, was formed, and uh, very early, you know, it was the first platform, there was an open one, and people started to upload content, including copyrighted material, which obviously uh, put YouTube into hot water with lots of different copyright holders who then sued, and uh, I had the privilege of working through a lot of that and fix it up. But we made a very important decision, which was to go above and beyond the law and build a fingerprinting software that allowed us to track the copyright on our platform and then have commercial relationship with copyright holders to send them the money. Out of that, we built a multi-billion dollar business, which now is multi-billion dollar business per year, and, uh, and it was an incredible new revenue stream for everyone. AI is that, with new super tools. So we need to approach it with the same, uh, with the same uh, uh, thoughtfulness, and we have to make sure that artists have a choice, that those who don't want to participate are protected, and the ones who do, like let's say our artist Charlie Puth, who was last week with me on stage at the Made on YouTube event, benefits. And so that's what we're working on with, uh, with the platform. So there's a version in theory, and we can talk about how it's going to work, where someone says, make me a song that sounds like Charlie Puth. You got, he okays it, you guys okay it. It shows up on the YouTubes and Spotify's of the world. And we need to figure out how to do that at scale, not one-off, but uh -huh. we need to develop the rules of the road. I like to call it develop the fine print for the blueprint. We got the blueprint from UGC, and now we have to figure out the fine print for AI, so because it's just the evolution the of that. good version where you guys get to participate in this thing mm -hmm. that's derivative of your artist's work and the artist opt into it, and that's the best case scenario. Or they don't, and they're protected. That's also very important. So you were just referencing what, what was called content ID for YouTube. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't simple, I couldn't do it, but it wasn't that hard, right? Um, there was right. no... Like, technically, you could fingerprint if there was an episode of South Park. You could yep. say, hey, that's South Park. That yep. belongs to Viacom. And we get the reference file. and it's, They it's can decide whether or not yep. they want to take it down. Is that possible for AI? It is not yet developed, but it's, people are working on that. And then uh, really fast. So that is, that is where things are evolving. So you, so don't, yes, you don't see a, an issue where someone says, make me a song that sounds like Dua Lipa and Lizzo, and they don't like it. Um, well, there's two different things. One is there's the technical issue, and the other is the law, right? Mm -hmm. when, when there's yep. a South Park episode put up, it's very clear who owns that yeah. and what their rights are. 
yep. and they can sue over it, but it's pretty clear established law. When it comes to make me something that sounds like this, yeah. that's a lot fuzzier, right? Yeah. So, so the best way to think about it is, I think of three different constituents for us. The distribution platforms, the YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, etc. Two large language model companies. In some cases, it's the same as the distribution platforms, but in many cases, it's different. And then the third constituent is the government. I listed them in that order on purpose. That is the order of priority uh, for us because uh, there may be many different language models, maybe uh, 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 those which are open sourced, etc. However, when people create content, they want it to be seen or heard. They will flock to the largest platforms. So our work is focused collaboratively with, with the platforms and make sure that we're defining the rules of the road together with them so that because we can Because that's sort of a choke point, you can control the distribution there, Correct. theoretically? Yeah. And you listed government last. Is that your assumption because that there's gonna, they're going to come around to whatever they're going to get to? It's very important. You know, if, if you look at it, for instance, uh, if you're an artist and somebody can take your voice and attach it to a whole new copyright, you're not protected. You're protected by you know, state-by-state state, uh, laws, which is you know, unscalable. And uh, that obviously needs to evolve. So name, image, likeness, and voice should, be, should have the same protections as copyright and same simple protections as copyright. But it will take time. I, I, I believe it will get there, but it will take time. And in the meantime, uh, we'll work with, uh, with the uh, distribution platforms fairly co collaboratively uh, to run ahead of that. And, you know, and most of the companies have, have uh, run ahead of the loss. Uh, what, what is the incentive the for a YouTube, a Spotify, or a TikTok to work with you? Again, back to the early YouTube days, copyright law was pretty clear. You ended up literally litigating it, but it was pretty clear that, you know, some stuff belonged to those companies and, and there was existing copyright law. Here you've just said the law that you're going to need to figure out yep. who owns ownership and everything else is way off. So... When you think about it, they didn't, uh, we, at that time I was there, we didn't have to do it. There was safe harbor. So sure, there's copyright laws, but there was also safe harbor. We didn't have to that's, do it. That's what the lawsuit was about. Yeah, but we, didn't have to, no, we, but we didn't have to do it. It was the decision of the company that it was the right thing to do, that uh, the company, you know, Google, at that point, uh, cared about artistry, uh, about people, people's copyright and respecting it, and, and Google built it. And uh, this was 2007. It was a very early decision, and it's you know developed ever since. And I, I think it's just the best-in-class example of what to do. It's 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 our blueprint for AI. Obviously, it evolves from it, but it's the blueprint for that. No matter how you slice it, there's still just going to be uh, just a tsunami of stuff, right? Sure. And even if all the tech works out, and the YouTubes and TikToks maybe of the world want to play ball with you. Isn't there just so much stuff that makes it that much harder for your established artists to get out there, to get heard, to eventually get paid? Correct, which then reinforces the need for a company like ours because it is hard for you. Back to my point that I made before, it's just harder in the world of increasing noise. You need a team. You need an army behind you. And if you want sustainable career, you know, with repeatability and, and continued success, not a one-off hit. We'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance... 
Who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. And we're back. You took this this job last fall that happened to be the right around the same time that OpenAI, ChatGPT exploded. Right. Did that give you any pause? Like, hey, wait, wait, do I really want to be running a digital music company at the same time people can make this stuff for basically free? So for me, change is exciting. And music ex- is exciting. I grew up in Czechoslovakia when it was a communist country. Uh, it was closed, uh, closed off from the world. And I used to, uh, I used to play cello and, and I used to play Spanish guitar. Um, I actually recently reconnected with my teacher from there actually, which is incredible. And in high school, I used to listen to Radio Free Europe and Voice of America, and we listened to two things, news and music. And it was all scrambled, it was broadcast from West Germany. So music was always part of my life. So that as a medium was like, it's, it's exciting to me. Both of my daughters play piano. They've been playing for 15 years, you know, first 15 years of their life. So that combined with the fact that music is omnipresent around the world, everybody on earth listens to music. Even if you don't have electricity, you have music in your life. That's incredible. Not too many other businesses or formats can say that. And then you combine it with change, which is cool, adds mystique and fun. I like, you know, hard problems to solve. And then you add uh, the fact that we have incredible artists and songwriters and teams of people who are developing them and historic catalog. It just kind of gives me an incredible playground to work with. And uh, it's exciting. Heads up for you guys at the end of this. There's going to be about five minutes of Q&A. You guys are not good questions. You should get ready to ask them. But I still get to ask you questions. Sure. Um, <laughs> compare and contrast video and, and audio when it comes to subscriptions, right? When you started off at YouTube, barely any really wasn't streaming subscriptions. And the idea of people subscribing to a music service, yeah. no one thought that was going to work. Now both things have grown. But it also well, seems Spotify like did it already by then, right? 2007, they were I just think, in Sweden. Getting yeah. up and going. Yeah, yeah, they're big in Sweden. Yeah. Um, but there was a real skepticism in the US about whether that was yeah. going to work. And it turns out there are hundreds of millions of people, maybe around the world, who will pay for both of those things. Mm-hmm. But there also seems to be a reckoning, particularly in video right now, this is part of what the strike was about, that yep. maybe the market for people who are going to pay 10 bucks, 5 bucks, whatever it is for Netflix or name your service, that might be a lot smaller than people thought. Is the music business going through a reckoning like that too? No. Uh, music, is, music is much more resilient. So first, I think what happened in the last 15 years is incredible. We had literally zero people in a subscription model, and now we have 700 million people uh, in the world in a premium experience and a subscription. Not, not actually people, people it's subscriptions. You know, there's even more people on paying it. Paying money to paying access money, music. Paying money, right, for subscription, which is incredible. 
And I think, you know, really credit goes to Daniel Ek for forging the path for everybody. And then companies like Apple and YouTube and Amazon following and, and building out the business. It's, it's pretty in incredible uh, what has happened. And, and I think the opportunity ahead of us is twofold. One, the continued growth in emerging markets, right? And also the GDPs of those countries will be rising at the same time. So there's lots of growth there. And then there is the uh, price elasticity optimization in mature markets. <laughs> that uh, you're smiling, yeah, but, yeah. but it is a real well, opportunity. That's, that's, that's you want to raise my prices. <laughs> okay. Price elasticity <laughs> optimization, right? I checked. I, che I thought this might come up. I checked today to make sure I had the number right. I'm paying Spotify $17 for a family plan that gives me, my two sons, maybe my nephew, all we can eat. Do you want me to pay more? Well, I think you can pay more. <laughs> uh, no, look, the, w the way I look at it is um, for $20, you get Netflix for the whole family today. For $15, two people get Netflix. Right? I think uh, if you think about $20, for $20, the entire family getting all the world's music ever made in the past and in the future, it's an incredible deal. And if you have four, four people in your family, that's, you know, it's not that much money per person. So I think there's a lot of value. People are getting an incredible deal and there's a lot of value in it and the price elasticity is generally high uh, around it. I think the way the in industry developed in the last 15 years has been incredible. And we just need to look at it differently for the next 15 years so that we deliver, uh, you know, all the earnings from all of that are flowing down to artists and songwriters who continue to do what they do to delight users globally. Are you going to give me something extra when, when that, I, you don't set the prices, but you're going to work with Spotify to help raise that price. Well, Am I going to get something extra when the price well, goes I, up? I, I think or is it like TV or like a, it's 10 bucks more? Well, I think on TV, you may be getting less content than you were getting in the past. With music, you probably get four times as much content as you had when you signed up. So it continuously updates and you're getting more. I, I actually, I truly believe that music subscriptions are the best value of any subscription of any kind in the world. If we were doing this conversation maybe a year and a half ago, I'd be asking you all kinds of questions about NFTs and the blockchain and got a few minutes left. Um, it's not top of mind. Do you, do you care about crypto and NFTs and blockchain? There were, there were serious people, some of them work at your company, or at least we used to work at your company, telling me a couple years ago that we were gonna move to a different model where maybe a lot more people got music for free and the hardcore fans were buying music. Does that still appeal to you? What appeals to me is artists and songwriters uh, succeeding. And that first and foremost happens on the internet, on, on all these platforms that we're describing then them uh, succeeding with live, and then succeeding with uh, their super fans. And there's what you're alluding to is sort of the super fan uh, space. I buy a piece of a Lizzo. So yeah, and, and, there's, and it's largely under, undeveloped today. I think there's a lot more work to be done on rights cleanup by all of us to make sure that that can actually happen. So it is definitely a great distant opportunity for all of us, but not yet. So you're, you're not telling me this is the immediate future, but, but just play along with me for a second. When, when that future does show up, the idea is that I love Lizzo, I'm a super fan, I want to show my fandom, but I can do that now. I can buy a t-shirt, I can buy a yep. concert ticket, I can be in a fan club, I'm yep. assuming she's got a fan club. What is the upside of me owning a piece of a Lizzo song? Revenue stream. 
Yeah, but I'm a fan. I'm not. I'm not speculating. If well, I take speculation out of it, what's, then, what's then, left? Then you don't need to do that, right? Uh, it's uh, so it, it all depends on what your goal is. So you you may already be satisfied, and it, it is not for you. Speaking of speculating, there was a big run-up in song prices, publishing, music right. catalogs, last couple of years. It looks like that's bottomed out. Is that just a sort of a zero interest rate phenomenon, or is there something else going on? Well, I think I think what happened was there was an opening where artists and songwriters were suddenly open to selling catalogs, which were n they were not open to before, and it just created this incredible uh, tidal wave. And you know, and these things happen in in waves and ebb and flow. So um, I think it, it likely is slowing down a little bit, um, but that's okay because it makes the uh, you know multiples come down uh, to a little bit more. So you guys level. can go out and purchase stuff. Huh? So just, just tease that out. <laughs> it's better if it slows down because the multiples come down, so things get more affordable. So Warner Music can go acquire of more. Of course, assets. we are in the business of of uh, buying catalogs. Obviously, we have the publishing catalog of David Bowie, for instance, which we bought a few years ago. So yeah, we are in that business, and uh, you know we are in the business of administering it, which means collecting revenue from you know thousands of different platforms around the world in very complicated manners. But we're also in the business of ownership. So it's both of those. Is that is that stuff remotely interesting to you? The administration and collection—it's it, incredibly boring, nerdy stuff. But maybe so, that's so part of the thing you're doing. So, so if you if you talk to Guy and Carrie Ann, who run our publishing company, they would tell you that that's what I talk about the most. <laughs> Why is that? Is that, is that your is um, that your tech head? No, or is that something else? Well, because I got to I got to know it incredibly well from the other side, from YouTube, right? Because we had to collect all the rights in order to play back the songs. So, so I, I have very intimate knowledge in how it works and how complicated it is. And I have a desire to make it all better and more seamless and faster and all of that. So, um, so yes, I'm actually incredibly passionate about administration of copyright. God bless, it takes all <laughs> kinds. All right. It's question, important. Questions from the audience. Tell us who you are and please ask a question. Hi, Andrew Sussman. I'm a CTO of a software company, but also a reform lawyer. Uh, about 30 years ago, I started studying intellectual property and in particular artificial intelligence in the law, mm -hmm. largely because of an article that was written back then by the Wall Street Journal about if a, an AI system were to develop an, a book, who owned it? Because copyrights under our constitution and the copyright law vest in an author and how can a computer be an yeah. author? So just focusing on the writer, you know, songwriter side of things, yeah. not the performance rights, since copyright is, t is designed to reward an author for the creation of this work, for putting the effort into doing it, should there be an ownership right in something that's created entirely by AI? And does that perhaps solve some of the writer complaints about if AI puts them out of business, since if there aren't exclusive rights in something created by AI, perhaps it would change some of the motivations and the economics. Well, I think it's funny, I, was, uh, I, I keep on thinking about this. There, there is still somebody who's pushing the buttons right, for the AI. It's like there's a, you know. There's a prompt artist. There's a prompt artist. <laughs> um, you know, my younger daughter is an aspiring screenwriter. Uh, she's still in college, but she's writing uh, a lot. And she's using ChatGPT a lot. Um, not to write for her, but help her with research. And, um, and it just makes her more efficient. Um, if, and not that she's doing this, but if she 
was letting it write for her, it would still be her, and she would be the one registering the copyright. So, um, so I, I think ultimately there will always be humans involved in, in, in all of those steps that just somehow a machine sitting somewhere and automatically generating it and automatically registering it. I, I, I don't see that happening. I just see humans involved in every single step of it. Thank you. Question over here. Hi, Jay Peters with The Verge. Um, do you think an AI-generated song will win a Grammy sometime soon? And if so, how soon? That's kind of impossible to predict. <laughs> if, uh, just like a, a timeline though, like it, it, when do you think that might happen? I guess you would have to, def uh, what do you mean by AI generated? Because I mean, there's so many different yeah, gradations yeah. of that. I, I'm kind of curious if like a p someone who's only doing a prompt and says, I want a cool song that sounds like Lizzo and Drake, and that's the best song of the year. And that's their only you know, that's their main contribution is making this prompt that creates the song. When, when, when might something like that win a Grammy? Well, <laughs> best AI prompt goes uh, to. Best AI prompter. Well, <laughs> then Grammy is subjective as well. <laughs> so, so it doesn't really speak to anything, right? Because the, the, um, it's not like it speaks about accuracy or how popular it is and how, how it resonates. Any of that could happen to any kind of song today. I'm not sure that whoever was the prompter would admit that they let the machine do the whole thing and they would just claim the credit and we would never know. Uh, I think the, uh, the AI is just developing really fast. It will, it, I'm not sure it's there today, but you know, five years probably, uh, and maybe even faster. Hey, Mark. Hey, Peter. Uh, Robert, I want to ask you about uh, Spotify and TikTok. You described uh, YouTube as uh, being in a good partnership with YouTube. Would you say the same thing about Spotify, or given that they're larger, more influential, maybe there's Partner Plus relationship there? And then TikTok, do you think that they'll be as big of a DSP as Amazon, Apple, Spotify, yeah. YouTube one day? Yeah. So we have great relationships with both. Uh, obviously, we closed our uh, deal with TikTok uh, a couple months ago, and really, uh, you know, Xiao, their CEO, and myself, we leaned into the partnership in a win-win way. So they are, um, they, they have been incredibly collaborative and we're working on lots of things. Um, and they're an incredibly influential platform because they're already so large and, uh, and there's so many hours consumed. You think they're going to be here in a year in the US? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And um, um, they'll, one way or another, they'll figure it out. Um, and, uh, and uh, Amazon, I'm sorry, uh, Spotify. Uh, Spotify, obviously, very influential, very important. And, um, you know, with all of us, again, I'm getting to the point that these are not zero-sum relationships. We need to both grow. We need to both uh, figure out how we, how we, you know, set this industry up for the next 15 years. And uh, that can only happen out of deep collaboration. And, and we have that with both of those guys. Robert, we're going to leave it there. All right. Thank you. Um, you said a year and a half before I can type in a, a prompt and get a good song? I don't know. That's, I'm going to hold I'm you just, to that. I was just giving you some answers so that you would go away. That's the spirit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to our sponsors for bringing the show to you for free. That's zero dollars. Still the same. Thanks to Travis and Jelani for editing the show, producing the show, and thanks to you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.